0: This is the Jabberjaw Podcast
2: Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of 100 Words or Less, the podcast. I am on a balcony in Palm Springs, California, because, uh, you know, I'm a jet setter and no, that's not true. I'm just here for a little getaway with my family, but... My apologies because this has delayed the episode for that I normally release on Wednesdays, but uh, yeah, I slipped a Thursday, and then um, yeah, this is getting on Friday now, so um, deal with it. I'm giving this to you for free, right? So you shouldn't be too mad about it. Anyways, you are not here to listen to me apologize. You are here to listen to me speak to a person who is involved in independent music and has had their life irrevocably changed for forever by this beautiful thing and uh yeah the guest this week is a person who i've looked up to for quite some time jack grisham he is the vocalist for tsol legendary punk band and he also played in a band called the joy killer which was a big introduction to me for him and his musical work just because that record came out gosh 94 or so right when i was really really digging into everything that epitaph put out but um yeah, so I got I got the opportunity to interview him. He, frankly, never would have popped up on my radar as a person that I, I could ever have access to or speak to, but uh, was able to dive in with him. when over to his house, and um, as you can hear the uh, you know the audio quality may be less than stellar because uh, frankly we were just super super engaged in conversation that uh, I kept on forgetting that maybe the microphones weren't that close to our mouths, and uh, that's my sincere apologies. So, uh, but we were just just chopping it up in his living room and frankly i forgot the microphones were even there um and i think he was also the same so if you hear the uh echoes of a room that is exactly why that's happening so um yeah i i apologize but uh you you still get the conversation there's nothing that you're gonna be like wait what's happening there it's like yeah you'll you'll hear where we're coming from so um yeah personal stuff update. Uh, things are going well with my wife. Thank you for all of you who keep writing into the show and, you know, tweeting at me or whatever. Um, I really appreciate that she's recovering well and, um, yeah, things are, things are moving forward in a positive light. And, um, yeah, I get to finally get to go to my first show of the year, (coughs) which is weird to say, but I know that, uh, for those of you that listened to last week's episode, uh, I was opining on the fact that I had been, you know, over a month and a half since I'd been to a show. So, i'm frankly i'm pretty excited about that and um yeah i rather than blabber on on this uh balcony at the hotel we're staying at where you can hear all the uh atmosphere noises of people waking up and uh you know bins being pushed around i'm gonna go ahead and let you listen to the interview with jack excuse me so uh without any further delay here's jack and i will talk to you so it's over So I'm 36 years old. I first, when I first started getting into uh, punk, I was I always lived in Southern California, and so it was you know TSOl and you know in more particular like Code Blue the song like it loomed very large where it was just like it seemed like every uh, you know piece of research I would come into in regards to like oh here's this comp or here's this thing right, and it's right. like your you know that song was always featured. Um, And then the, you know, obviously the salacious, the salacious nature of the song, where it's like it spoke to, you know, 14, 15 year old me where it's like this guy, they're talking about sleeping with the dead. This is crazy. Um, But then I'm sure it's one of those things where because that song has lived on and you've been able to create so much art in and around it, that it must be interesting for you to have people, you know, generationally speaking, have. Uh, all of these different experiences, not only with that song, but with, you know, TSOL where it's just like, I mean, cause frankly people shouldn't care about that band anymore. Right. Like as far as like attention spans are concerned. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so like, is it, is it interesting for you to have these interactions with people who, you know, sometimes are, you know, your age or sometimes, you know, my age or sometimes like even younger than that. Like, how does that all kind of sit in your head?
1: Yeah. It's true. The whole thing. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. Of thanks course. For me. And, of and, course. You know, for, it, it's so trippy. Cause back then, when we first, when the f- song was first written, it wasn't even like the end. Now that's the closing song of our set. It's like Sammy Davis Jr. and Candyman. Right? And I've, I read this great thing about somebody asked Sammy Davis. He said, "They said, do you ever get sick of doing Candyman?" He goes, "Candyman made me." He goes, "I never get sick yeah. of that." He's like, "I can't you know, get so, sick of that." Yeah. So, so now it's like a big closing song, and the you know the curtains come down, and everyone's screaming and going crazy and whatever. But back then, it was in the middle of the set, right? There wasn't even it was just a song in the set and it it was a joke because it's it's not really about the song isn't really about necrophilia right it's about a teenage boy who's so bummed at school like dating and shit talking and all that stuff that goes on where he just says look this is such a hassle trying to make any connection with you and be here and do this stuff is such a drag I'd rather sleep with a dead person, right? Because I can drag them around. Right. <laughs> it's, it's easier. It's it frankly, it's easier. Right. It's totally easy. Yeah, that someone's, comp- you know, and, and it's funny because later on through therapy or whatever, I found out that I got you know attachment disorder, all sorts of crazy shit. But it, but it's basically that. It's like it's like, hey man, I I'd just rather be doing this now. Does it move a little graphic and get into the you know I can do what they want kind of thing? Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, but you know, and and then and and. The, the thing about that song is, and Jed the Fish, who was a DJ at K-Rock, he even said one time, he goes, he goes, Jack, I bet you're kicking yourself in the ass. The most famous song you've ever written can't be played on any station. Any radio, yeah. Right, because it's just the F word every Absolutely, second, yeah. Know? But but then again, you know, for kids, it's it's the perfect, you know, piss the parents off, right. you know, out of control song. And and it's been that way for years. And what's crazy now is, so, so that song was written in 81, and we're 2017 now, which is which is just crazy. Right. So we're talking 36 years ago right. that song was written. But especially around this area, I've got little kids. My kids go to school. I've got kids that are 11 and 12. They go to school and kids are wearing TSL well t-shirts.
2: Yeah, it doesn't make and any sense. And
1: then the teachers at the school right. wear TSL well t-shirts. Sure. And they ask the kids, hey, what's your dad doing? But, you know, what's he doing? Like, I got kids in high school, elementary school, college, or whatever. You know, and they always people always come to my kids and go, "Hey, man," they that "Okay, I saw the last name. Are right. you related, Jack? You know, or whatever." And and they, it, it's funny because even though this song was so foul and so heinous, it's like, it's like it's almost like people forgive it.
2: Oh <laughs> for sure, <laughs> yeah, somebody. yeah, yeah. Well, it's I mean, it, uh, partially too because it's such a. Uh, you know, not only is it emblematic of the time that it was written, but it's just like there's no way that it can't be included on a starter pack. You know, it's like here's the 20 punk songs you need to listen to yeah. from you know <laughs> the early not, 80s. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's like it is such a a, a uh, you know perfect entry point where it's just like. Yeah, these 20 songs can encapsulate that time. And then, you know, you have people who, you know, are always going to be attracted to, again, just like, you know, the origin points of this music scene, no matter what age. And then you have people who, like you were saying, your kids' teachers who were, you know, going to shows at that time who like TSOL still because of the nostalgia factor. And so it's like such a hodgepodge.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. And then, you know, so I mean... And it goes from kids liking the new stuff too, where they're right. not even—you know—it's so trippy to me. It's almost like the Grateful Dead or <laughs> something. It's just so out there. It's like I was in, in Colorado, and there's this dude, and I'm not kidding you. He's—it looks eighty to me. He yeah. looks eighty, uh-huh. and he's got a walk. He's got a walker to help him walk, and he's standing. He's in the restaurant club where we're at, right? And I go, hey, how you doing, Bud? You know, just said hi to him. He goes, Jack. He goes, looking good. He goes, guy. <laughs> he goes, man. He goes, you're looking better than I am. And I'm thinking, okay, who is this guy? Is this my uncle or something? Who is this guy? And it turns out that he saw us. He goes, I saw you the first time you came through Denver in '81. Now in '81, he was 40 something. So he was an older guy going to a punk rock gig. Now you see that? You see 40 year olds, 30 year olds going to gigs. Mm-hmm. Well, now toss on 36 37 years later right and he's 80 right you know he's 80 and
3: i'm like
2: (laughs) yeah you're like tight you're like yeah i was i was a child when i came through here and then now you were an adult and now you are a grandfather like it's just yeah the time moves
1: right and i've had kids actually come up to me and go hey my grandfather got me into you guys yeah you know which is so trippy it is the other thing is you never expected like you know, whatever. I don't want to punch myself on the face, but like sure. this genre yeah. or whatever it is, you never knew that it was going to have this kind of legs. Not at all. Like you never knew. You never thought about it. Absolutely. Like, and what even? What is it? I was looking at. I'm. You know, I'm. I'm part of this uh, thing that's up for a Grammy. This. This. Sure. Voting period. Right. And. Uh, and I was tripping, thinking, well, why isn't there a punk rock? Mm-hmm. Grammy category. There's a rap one. There's a totally. metal one. There's you a hard know, rock, yeah, metal, yeah, exactly, like hard rock, whatever. Why isn't there a punk one? You totally. I was thinking, well, how would you define what it is anyway?
2: Right. You it, know, it's
1: kind of hard to define what that totally. Means. It's like,
2: are we are we going to focus on the attitude or the actual music being played? And right. it's just like, yeah, you could if you were just focusing on the musical presentation of something. Dude, like you, you could throw like so many bands into the punk genre. Hank
1: Williams totally, exactly. the yeah, third. Throw him in. You could take it totally. You know, you know, you know Ice Cube or whatever, and say, "Exactly, hey, this is punk rock." Right. The, the first N.W.A. record, the punk rock record. So we're just talking attitude.
2: Totally, totally. Yeah, yeah. it's just it's it's so tough, but, but
1: they can't give that. They but, cannot. Um, but, it, but it's so. But it's so crazy. Uh, I, I did this. John Doe from X right. uh, wrote a book called Under the Big Black Sun, and he asked for people, he asked for friends of his to write a chapter, because it's, it's dealing with the early history of Los Angeles punk rock. Mm-hmm. So all these people wrote a chapter, and then he came to me and said, hey, will you write one about the beach kids? Because they all didn't like the beach kids. Sure, you yeah. Know, they got mad because we're out of control. you know. Right. And so my chapter is basically an f everyone that didn't like us you know sure but it got included in the book and then they ended up getting an audiobook doing an audiobook for it and like henry rollins and uh jane wheeling the you know the go-go's mm-hmm. and, so we all read our own chapters in the audiobook so it's all it's like this real cool folk folk piece of course yeah and, yeah uh, it ended up getting nominated for best spoken word record. That's so it's incredible, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, and yeah, you're like
2: that. That should, yeah, that should make sense. But it does, and that's great that we we're up for yeah, that award. Yeah. Trippy. Um, so you, you, there's, there's a lot of stuff that you know you are, uh, you, you've done many interviews. People have spoken to you many times. So there's, there's a lot of details I'm not going to harp on. Um, but like, you know, you were, you were born and raised in California, and I know in Northern California, right. and then moved down to Southern California. But you come from a military family. Um, I can only surmise that it, it was a very strict household.
1: Totally strict. Okay.
2: Crazy. Just I just have
1: to salute my dad. when stri- he Came home. Oh Jack wow. Jack Christian reporting for inspection, sir. When I was a kid, like it was real. It was a little hardcore. Like a little, you know, just. Uh, I mean, they until he died, the grandkids called him Grandpa Sir. It was wow. You know, it was real. He was real str- You know, real strict and. Uh, but not. You know, and it was a constant battle. Me against him was a constant battle.
2: Because you are, are you the only son in the family? No, or it are you was
1: five? Five kids, uh, two girls, three boys. Okay, but I put up the most resistance. Me and my older sister. The rest kind of hung low. Right. And my older sister and I, we were like toe to toe. All,
2: all the rest of your siblings were like, all right, Jack and the other sister are going to take the most licks. Like
1: right. And 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 to look up at him and say, you're not hitting me hard enough. You know, that kind of shit. And it's so funny because <laughs> when you got a dad like that, yeah. you know, I'd go to school right. and they'd threaten me and I'd just look at him and say, what are you going to do? I mean, I was in sixth grade and I had hit a kid with a tray in the head because he had threatened some other kid, you know. So it was really kind of, little. it was a heroic effort. You of know, course, there, right. But, You're like, you should still, be picking Yeah, still. You can't be beating kids in the, tra- in the <laughs> face with a... Trails, right, you know, maybe a
2: di- maybe a different approach, right? Yeah.
1: So they pulled me in this room, and a couple of undercover police were there, and the one guy kind of kind of heavyset sits back and opens his jacket, like to show me his gun. And I look at him, I say, "What are you going <laughs> to do, dude? Shoot me?" You know, it's like, right. you know, because really, what are you going to do? It's right. like, look, I get my ass kicked at home. Sure. You think? And I remember right when I first time I turned eighteen, I went to jail. I went to a, I pled guilty and went to county rather than calling my dad. Right, you are know, like, I, like can't, I can't. I can go to jail, man. And my dad came three days later. It's like they say visitor, and it's my dad. He goes, "What's up?" I go, "Nothing, just hanging." He goes, "Well, why didn't you call me?" I go, "Cause I got this handled. I got this handled." He goes, "We could have settled up at home." I said, "No, no, no." He goes, "Well, I'll get you when you get out."
2: Yeah, you are like, but that's not what I
1: wanted. Yeah, yeah. You are like, I did this to avoid
2: that. <laughs> yeah. And so you, uh, like you, you mentioned your your siblings, and you know you cite your older sister as. Uh, kind of introducing you to sort of the counterculture thought in regards to whether it was music, you know, I mean, I I know you've referenced in the past, like, you know, the hippie shit that she was into and kind of like, just basically not being like your peers. Um, Was that already something that you kind of, you already felt like, but then she showed that to you and you felt like, Oh, there's some other people out there that feel like me.
1: Yeah. And it wasn't really not so much being like my peers. It's the right for me to be whatever I wanted. Okay. And the right for them to be whatever they wanted and that I didn't have to be like them. And that you weren't in charge of me. Okay. So it was really about freedom and about, you know, hardcore, I don't want to say anarchism, but it was real, you know, hardcore dominant socialist, I guess, yep, if that's yeah. what you could say. Sure. It's, it's the right to be me without being uh, confined by you. Right, right. You know, which which is what I really picked up on that. That real, you know, hey, you can't, t- I'm a free man. Sure. Sure. Yeah.
2: Yeah, you can't you can't tell me how to do this just because you were trying to impose your beliefs or right. value system or whatever on me.
1: Whether it was the police, whether it was teachers, parents, whatever it was, you do not own me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, really. If I was an animal in the in the in the out, out, if I was an animal on a farm, they would have put me down. Right. You know, and it would have been the right thing to do. You right. Know, what are they? I don't know. There's a, they call that something. Sure. When one sure. One of the animals doesn't behave, and the other animals follow the unbe- the animal that's not behaving. Right. You know, it's like you got to take that one and put them down. Totally. So I would have been put down. I mean, thank God. You know, well, maybe we might have a purge in this country soon, but right at the time we hadn't because I would have been put down.
2: Right. You're- yeah, yeah, you'd have been going too far against the grain that it's like, all right, Jack needs to be put to pasture. Right. Like, but, this is not—
1: <laughs> But so what's funny? I read enough about that to know, I don't care who's in charge. I just follow orders. That's right. what you say. To whoever asks you a question, are you for the government? I don't care. Yeah. I don't even know who the government is. I just do what I'm told. Right. They love that answer. Yes, they do. Yes.
2: <laughs> yeah, they, quote, unquote, they love that answer. Yes. Yeah. Um, And, you know, because because of the stuff that you were getting into at that age, too, you know, like Zappa and like uh, underground comics and stuff like that, um, you know, it's I always find it interesting because, you know, no matter what, um, you know, era you come up in, there are people that are interested in that. And there are people who like look at that stuff and they're just like, that's weird shit. Why would I ever be into that? You know? So it's like I, I, you know, were you bringing that to like some of your friends and being like, like, hey, this stuff is pretty cool, and they were like, Jack, what are you into, dude?
1: No, because I went through a straight period where when I was younger, I got into that stuff, okay, and it influenced me, right, molded me, and then I went through this period of being totally straight or okay. at least trying to be straight, sure, <laughs> you know, you know, <laughs> playing sports at school and one, and I was good in school, like I was, you know, it's like I'm a quick step, you know, I, I'm not, I shouldn't even say a quick step, I'm a quick. I pick up a book, read it, and I can take the test in ace it.
3: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different things that stress us out, right? Like maybe it's something really, really small, like man, that parking space—it's always taken, and I wish that I would be able to like get it instead of you know this person that maybe you know is the most courteous and considerate.
2: Sure. So not, you know I'm they're not a steady. Right. You know you know how to, you know how to you know how to put forth. I always I always put it like this. You're able to there are people who are able to put forth like a, a minimal effort and still yield results that will not get you in trouble with your parents.
1: Exactly. And I even had a teacher one time uh, and this was later on this was in a college class and and the the woman came up to me the professor came up to me afterwards and she said uh, It was it was after, you know, after the test and and she came up to me and she said, you you ace that test, you know. And I go, I go, yeah. And she goes, and you just looked at the book and we sat down and (laughs) and I go, yeah, I go, yeah. And I was almost like a little proud of myself. Mm -hmm. And she looked at me and she said, do you have any idea how sad that is? And she walked away.
2: Oh, like just just a bomb right on. you like, yeah,
1: just basically saying, hey, man. (laughs) you know right. you do you show me nothing right you're you just you're just wasting your potential to get by and it's wasted right yeah. right yeah <laughs> which is which is really you know it's funny if you have any awareness whatsoever and then somebody says something like that to you it can really fuck your head oh, up oh it uh, yeah it's you like know? the
2: littlest of thing and just stick in your head and you would be like you know what they're right like they're right
1: yeah. why are you driving that car Kind of like what do you mean what what has that got to do with it what are you saying this car is a wonderful car this is you know it's like totally yeah it's a wonderful car but not for you
2: yeah you plant that just that really yeah. infinitesimal spe- seed right. and then it's right. like yeah then you're done yeah. that's all you're thinking about
1: why is a thoroughbred sleeping in the barn right What's happening? What's it's happening like, what the this? fuck are you saying? Totally.
2: Yeah. Anyway, whatever. So. Yeah. So, and then you, as you started to, uh, you know, develop whatever, you played it straight, like you said, for you know a while. Tried to. Tried to. Yes. Yeah. You attempt to attempted to, uh, yeah, fit into the the societal norms, whatever that may mean. Um. But then, as you started to, you know, getting into surfing and skateboarding, like you said, just basically being expressing yourself the way you wanted to express yourself, and then, um, you know, how how did I guess how did that, the, the music and the desire to play in a band, like, you know, where did well, that come from? I didn't,
1: because right. I suck. Sure. I can't really sing. I mean, I can sing enough now where I can get by.
2: You've got enough practice now. Yeah, right? <laughs> I,
1: it's basically, that's it. It's sad. I, I tell people all the time, there's no real talent. Sure. But there's enough intellect right to fake talent. Sure. You know, it's, what, it's basically what it is. Sure. You know, so it's, it's, it's you know... Well, and also- So the, the band, the thing, I never would have been in a band if it wasn't for punk rock. Right. Because punk rock, you didn't have to have to sing. You just yell and scream. It didn't matter, you know. And what was really, what was interesting, it wasn't so much, it was the letting go that, because even though I did stuff that might have seemed like I was acting out or doing that, I was real confined. I was real like sucked in and wallflowerish. Even though I did a lot of stuff, there was I, like, I couldn't let go. So I was afraid to talk in public. I dropped classes if I had to, you know, mm-hmm. give a lecture or whatever. Now I, at times I give talks for, you know, six, seven thousand people with no notes for an hour and a half. You know, right. it's like, don't think about it at all. But, right. but at the time there was this real uh, inhibited cat going on. Mm-hmm. And so at punk rock, like the first time I was able to like just dance a little bit, get right. in the pit and move around a little bit. It was like real freeing,
3: mm-hmm. like
1: it was a real freeing trip. Sure. And so, uh, same thing, you know, yelling, "Hey, fuck the neighbors, fuck the neighbors," you know, whatever was going. The lyrics at the time, fuck of course, the neighbors, you yeah, know, yeah. And, yeah. Just, and uh, so it was, it was trippy because it wasn't the music so much. It was like the just the little bit of letting go, mm-hmm. and and you know, sadly. That that little bit of letting go, that small rivulet, turned into basically a river of just do whatever you want. Right. This lifestyle of just it doesn't matter, just everything to excess and done. Right. Hold nothing back. Sure. No matter what is there is no separation between thought and action. Sure. Yeah. There, you you know? just you just do. Yeah, That's you it. just do. Right. This is it. It's I I was in a, a Bob's Big Boy, so a Denny's. Sure. Most people don't know what Bob's is. Exactly. But let's say I was a Denny's. I was at a Denny's and. Just walking through Denny's and saw these people eating, the guy and his wife and the kids, and I just belly flopped onto the table. Just right onto the food. Just, just not even right. just like, just thought and did. Right, yeah. Not even, you know, and everyone's screaming all boys going nuts. and you yeah, know, you're know, you like, I just, just
2: opened the table. Yeah, right.
1: just bam. That's it, you know. <laughs> dinner's over, you know, or whatever. Just, right. But it was that, you know, it got to the point where once you let go a little bit, then it's like... You know, no, almost, you're, you're unhinged. Yeah, and and you know, it's interesting because I can understand like the mind of like a serial killer, or whatever, somebody that makes a small kill. Sure. And then all of a sudden, hey, right, I'm into this, this, this now, and now I can't stop.
2: Right, because I got it, because I got away with it, or because like yeah, this it scratched some itch that I wasn't aware. Yeah, you can yeah, totally see. It just
1: see. opened up a floodgate of whatever. So right. and that went along with this, with the violence, with the whatever. It was sure. just like once it's out, it's out. Right. And there was no, you know. Fully outed as a fucking animal,
2: right? You know, which was, is, and was I mean, was TSOL ostensibly your first band, like, or did well, you do? Did you have some other?
1: Uh... No, I had I had this band before that, um, some fake bands, just fooling around. Of course, and then I had a band called Vicious Circle, okay, which is a, for real violent. It's like considered like the first like. Punk rock gang band, sure in Los Angeles. Got it. Really like before, like a lot of those other bands. This vicious circle band was really out of control. And it sure, was, you know, and it basically what it was is attracted like-minded individuals. Of course, you know, uh, you know, people want to sometimes they want to talk about this, this this punk rock movement as if it's almost this real, uh, you know, altruistic kind of kind of brotherhood of whatever man. But at the start of it. It was misfits. Mm-hmm. It was misfits, and it was angry, and it was dirty, and it was drugs, and it was just people burning each other. And there wasn't a high character right? in it. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of that. You're you're dealing with a lot of scumbags, basically, sure. you know? And, you know, I, I try to t- tell people this, especially in Los Angeles, and the women were just as bad as the men. Mm-hmm. You know, the shit that the women were doing, you know... I read this thing one time that, you know, punk rock basically made the women as trampy as the men. Mm-hmm. They didn't give a fuck. Right. You know what I mean? It was like they were screwing guys like guys used to screw girls. Sure. You know, who gives a fuck?
2: Right. Totally. You know, and, just and, hedonistic, like whatever. This is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Hey, I'm balling him and now I'm going to ball him. Yeah. No and problem. Right.
2: Within an hour. Right. And <laughs> no
1: one gives a shit either. Right. Right. And right. no one's looking at him. At least none of the I don't want to say enlightened, but let's say some of us. We didn't care. Yeah, there was no. Doesn't matter. No, no sexism. No racism. No nothing. It was just fucking who gives. No one cares. Sure.
2: Well, because I mean, because too, it's like you know when you're talking about the foundation of something that really hasn't existed before, you, and you're you're attracting, like you said, these island of misfit toys. There's going to be no, uh, not even so much rules, but there's going to be no framework in which people could like attach themselves to. It's yeah, just like you,
1: you're not a, you're not attracting. Yeah straight people you know what i mean yeah I mean, absolutely now, they may dig the music or the sound right but are they really sucked into the whole vibe of it like, right like a lot of them were there sure but on the outskirts looking back in of, of what was happening right right you know so there was some really evil i i mean i look back at my friends and the majority of them are dead you know absolutely so many the, the death count is just huge absolutely not expected to go this totally. I never expected to go this
2: right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. To to come out the other end and be able to like reflect on that time and be like, Oh wow. Like maybe more people should have been a little bit more responsible.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah. I always like, especially where I want to run into guys I've known from back then and they're Uh still alive and whatever. And I just, you know, I mean, one of our friends just died the other day, Gabby, you know, and he died and he was 51 and he died. And it's like, it's like, yeah, that's young, Mm -hmm. but actually for that lifestyle, that's a long stretch.
2: That's pretty phenomenal, right?
1: Yeah, like if you look and sometimes it feels like that. Like I'm 55. Right. Right? And sometimes I I literally feel thousands of years old sure. like just like man it's like how many lives can you pack in this sure I, I told somebody the other day it's like bitch i've covered more ground than magellan don't fucking even tell me that really? you know what I, mean? I mean when you really think about it yeah, what absolutely. did these guys do they made a voyage to the new world and back or whatever the fuck it is yeah, you yeah. know, bitch I've, I've been up and back to europe fucking 15 times totally. all over the united states absolutely been all over asia south america you know it's like Throw me back in the fifteen hundreds, and we're reading about America's Jack Grisham. Like, right, you know whatever. It's like, it's like this guy's covered ground. Totally, man. totally. And then it's not just the amount of ground; it's the amount of experience jammed in to that much time. Yeah, like sometimes we'll be somewhere. I don't know if you ever. Do you ever read Stranger in a Strange Land? Heinlein, whatever. It's a sure. cool science fiction, anyway. Right. But, the bag is that once the guy goes through an experience, he has to meditate and really relive that experience. Okay, and He sure. takes all the emotion out of it, and you know, and when their cities get too many much emotion, they abandon the city abandon cause them nobody and, can deal with it anymore. Sure, sure. So, so sometimes it, it's interesting theory because. You know, I'll go through days and days and days, sometimes on tour, and I won't remember. It'll be Thursday, and I won't remember where I was on Monday. Sure. When I was in Paris on Monday, but I can't remember I was in Paris on Monday. Right. You know, when oh, it's Thursday. Where were we Monday? Right. Oh, Paris. What? Yeah, it's not, a nor- it's
2: not a normal existence. No. Yeah. And
1: then all the, you know, excitement and craziness and what's going on, it's like sometimes I haven't had a chance to deal with it all. Yeah, absolutely. I just wake up and just don't know where I am sometimes. Like it's real trippy. Yeah. Like how many lives are you gonna fit in one head? Right. I don't even think our heads were made to take that much information in.
2: No, no. I mean especially too, because like you know, I, I find it uh, interesting, like just you know because of the the band's evolution i mean t s o l like once you guys you know had to expand beyond well not had to but chose to expand beyond just playing to you know a punk crowd, and you know once the the whole sort of metal thing started to you know morph into it i i'll never forget where it's just like you know when you're younger you have no context for like when these bands exist so it's like i'm buying you know the, the you're the first tso record and then i'm buying one that you know came out you know seven or eight years later and i'm like these bands don't sound alike you know yeah. like it's but then the i mean you you have to place these things in the context of time in order to understand like why you guys were evolving into the fact where it's just like well yeah we can't play to this scene forever
1: Right, and that's what happened, like a lot of it, because there was a time when the when the original brand broke up and mm-hmm. split up, right. which was in 83, 84, and because there were a lot of problems and a totally. lot of shit going on. It's not just, yeah. And what I said, I suggested to the guys, I said, why don't we just change our name? let's keep playing. Right. But let's not be ts well anymore. Sure. Let's just change our name. And they just thought I was fucking crazy for doing that. It's like, you're out of your mind, which it would have been bitching because it would have been the first time somebody ever really did that. Yeah, it's true. And yeah. I wish we would have done it. You sure. Know, at the height of your whatever, at the popular of that time to just change the band's name and be somebody else. But right. they bummed on that. And, uh, And so then we ended up dropping off, and then they swung more into a metal thing. Right. Our drummer basically went to the point where he kind of, that was his downhill of getting out of music. Right. You know, so everyone kind of took their own pass, and then later on came back together in like 99. Right, 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 right. You know, 89, 89 for the first reunion shows. Sure. And then 99 for good.
2: Right. Yeah and then was there ever like you know once once you got swept up in in the band and you guys started to yeah i mean tour and and do what bands do um you know did you have any notion of like oh like this is what i would like to do beyond the band like i would like to have you know this is a job or this is a career or whatever like yeah
1: there was never other than other than later on you know Later on, I got into writing. I started mm-hmm. writing, and now I'm, I, I shoot a lot of photos. Right. So, you know, it's all. It's, I always pick shit that, that's cra- You know, you can't make a living off doing that, man. You sure know, right. it's like, you know, you just pick these crazy, <laughs> totally. you know, it's not like I'm... A life I, of the arts. I, yeah, right. <laughs> it's like I tried to go into to banking uh, at one time, and I remember...
2: When did uh, that When did that occur?
1: Uh, this was, she, I don't know, it was my wife was kind of pushing me to do whatever. She wanted yeah. me to do this, so I got a straight job, and... I remember I used to tell people, you know, you really shouldn't be taking this loan. I mean, the bank should be paying you for this. You know, and I remember my <laughs> boss walking by and just saying, what are you doing, what are you doing? I go, ah, these people, you know, they need somebody to tell them not to do this, you know? <laughs> right, you're like, I'm I'm here to help that. But you're not doing your job. But I had to tell them. Right, and it was funny because I used to tell people, you know, hey, this market's going to crash because of this. And right. no one would listen to me and like blah, blah, blah. And I'd tell people, I'd say, hey, don't do that. I, I recommend not doing that, right. you know? You're, you know, you're making a mistake. Sure. And, and they didn't want to hear it. Nobody wanted to hear it. Totally. And, uh, Cause
2: they're like, we're Jack, we're making money, yeah, obviously,
1: but they didn't want to hear it. <laughs> and it, it, you know, so, uh, and then write, you know, getting into writing a little bit, which, which, uh, I never the, the first book I wrote I wrote this book called American Demon it was the first mm-hmm. book I'd ever written sure. and I'd never written anything longer than 50 words I never did an essay at school I never did anything so totally. the first time I looked at it I said well I think I'll write a book it's like dude,
2: you're like sure ever dude you think
1: about that like, yeah. I did? you know so
2: right well it's just I mean it's, it's the same attitude you approached uh, you know singing in a band it wasn't like you were like oh like I'm 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 really, I really know what I'm doing. I'm going to, you know, really like, uh, I'm going to be a soprano. Like, <laughs> I'm right, going right. to nail this. It's like, no, I'm just going to act really weird and hopefully kind of carry some sort of tune, whatever that may mean.
1: Yeah, there was nothing. I had yeah, no clue. Totally. I had people coming up to me and they'd say, "Oh, you know, you did this and this." I said, "No," <laughs> and then they would go, "Oh, that, you know, this book, you know, we're." In this magazine, this book was compared to something that Dosky-esque had written, you know, whatever. Right, I'm like, right. Ah, I don't know that one. Yeah, you are like, well, <laughs> I like, I never sorry, yeah. Of that, dude. <laughs> if you say so, <laughs> yeah, sorry, yeah, It's like, so anyway, you know, you don't.
2: Yeah, you have no, Yeah, you just you, you just do it, and then you know, hopefully, it's it's received somewhat well, and you can improve on that in the future.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and what's interesting, like right now, like so, if you look like financially, things you know, things aren't great. Yeah, but I am fifty five years old, and I basically live my life doing whatever I want Yeah. to this point. Like, if I went out right now... Sure. You'd have to sit there over a cold beer with somebody and say, that motherfucker yeah. went out he did. like everyone wants to go out. Totally. He never had a straight job, never did anything, fucked around, played... Did music and did art and wrote and did this and traveled and went all over the fucking place and never clocked in. Yeah, never clocked in. Totally. And he went out like that. Right. God damn it. Yeah. You know, so so if I go out right now, I go out on top. Sure. Now if you stretch my life six months from now, well, we've got some trouble ahead. Right. <laughs> There's trouble ahead. But but right now. But right now. I yeah. go out on top. Everything's hunky dory. Yeah. So the next you know whenever when I go out, I'm out on top. Right. But
2: but yeah, don't don't look yeah. past that. Um, like you were mentioning earlier, the, uh, you know, much has been, you know, a lot of, you know, documentaries and publications and magazines and books have been poured over the eighties punk scene. Um, you know, I like doing my best to parse, you know, not only truth from fiction and people who are obviously just like writing about it because they're trying to make a buck off of it or whatever, um, do you like, what do you feel that's kind of like out there and it exists that you feel is like, I'm not speaking about in generalities, but like your own personal experience within that sort of early eighties punk scene. Is there a piece of work that you're like, Oh yeah, like that did a good job or that did a good job that you feel, um, yeah, was, was reflective over that experience.
1: Well, the trouble is it's all, uh, what do they call that? It's all that, it's all that person's experience. It's true. It's it's true. Do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. What is real and what isn't real? It's true. Uh, You know, if, I, I think back to some of these shows and, and you'll hear people go, oh, you know, this show, this show. I go, oh, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. I was at that show. Right. And it was TSOL, the Bad Brains, and the Beastie Boys playing at CBGB's on a Tuesday night. Right. And there were maybe 200 yeah. people there. Right, yeah. You know what I mean? But like, But like 400,000 people have claimed they're at that yeah, show. Yeah, claimed to have been at that show or been there or been whatever. Right? Absolutely. And then, and then, you know, the other thing is, my own recollection of this, I'm not even exactly sure what happened. Sure. I used to tell this story about the liquor barn, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I, I was at Liquor Barn one morning getting, uh, you know, buying booze. I, I don't know what my... I, I saw a recipe for a, um, a zombie. Okay. Right? I was sitting with a buddy. You know, whatever. It's one of those Sure. One of those drinks. Right? Like, yeah, we got to like, oh, do that. That's how you make a zombie, right? And I'm looking at this recipe and I go, you know, instead of two ounces... If we just switch the ounces for fifths, then we just put in two fifths in a bucket, and then a fifth of this, and a half a fifth of this, and we got a big bucket of zombies, right? right. Let's go to the Liquor Barn, right? Sure. So we head up to Liquor Barn, and we get a whole shopping cart full of booze to make a giant zombie for the, for the day, right. whatever the hell is going on. So I see this chick that was bummed. She expected more of me. And she sees me coming out of Liquor Barn in the morning with a shopping cart full of booze out of control, right? So I used to tell this story about Liquor Barn, Liquor Barn, Liquor Barn. It was funny. Everyone knew this story, right? Well, one time, one day, this girl comes up to me and she goes, why do you say you were at Liquor Barn? I go, what? She goes, why do you say you were at Liquor Barn? You weren't at Liquor Barn. You were at Ralph's. And I'm like, what? And in my mind, it was Liquor Barn. Of course. And then I thought about, well, wait a minute. There's always been a Ralph's on the corner that I thought was a liquor barn. So it's not liquor barn, totally. it is Ralph's. Right. And and but some way I placed it Ralph's. So so then you think, Hey, what what uh, so you're at this show and you're doing this, and you're doing this, and you're doing this, you think, Well, what happened? Was this really what happened? Right. Uh, Keith Morris from Black Flag and I were just talking mm-hmm. and um I was talking about T.S. Well playing a gig with Black Flag at this house party in Long Beach. Mm -hmm. And Keith says, and I said, hey, yeah, doing this house party in Long Beach. And Keith says, well, I wasn't in the band. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. What do you mean you weren't in the band? And Keith goes, well, remember, I was in the Circle Jerks and your band Vicious Circle and Uh us in the Circle Jerks. We played like our first show at a house party in Los Alamitos. And so I was already out of Black Flag and in the Circle Jerks when you were in Vicious Circle. And Vicious Circle was before TSOL. I'm thinking, oh fuck, yeah, All right, well, keep yep, the wrap. Right. So, so even when you're reporting it, and even the person there reporting it doesn't necessarily mean right. That it's it's straight.
2: basically it's an army of
1: unreliable narrators. You bet. Right, an army, of, right, wonderful—an army of unreliable narrators. <laughs> God damn, you've got to put some quote marks on that because that's badass. Because you've said that exactly. It's an army of unreliable narrators. Yeah. I love that. Well, because
2: I just—it's one of those things where it's like I look at you know I I, I consume as much as I possibly can about that uh, that era because I mean you know I was two or three years old at the time, but you know so many of the bands that I enjoy were from that era. But it's like it, you—it's it, very true where it's just like you can't help but have your Experience with that piece of art about that particular time painted none other by that person's perspective. Where it's just like you know, like the the idea of watching you know America America's Hardcore, which is like you know a very divisive movie, and people are just like, oh, some are love it, some hate it, and it's like I watch it and it was like, that's cool. It just sucks that it ended so such a bummer. Where it's just like, yeah, Hardcore died in nineteen eighty four. It's just like, what are you talking about? Like there's, it's yeah. it totally existed <laughs> after that. But anyways, I, yeah, I, I,
1: but but it, and it, it it is real trippy and um. And some of it, the trouble is, some of it's revisionist history also. Absolutely. So you get a lot of that, these guys talking up guys that were real fucking assholes. Sure. Like, there's a couple guys that are like punk rock heroes Yeah. that that some of us know, hey, not the case. They're
2: not on the level, Never right.
1: wrote a great song. Sure. Never wrote any songs of those uh-huh. songs. Never, you know, had a shit attitude the whole time. Came from something and then pretended they weren't from something very true you know all this shit and right. then later on it's built up oh this is beautiful it's beautiful it's like hey wait a minute you know yeah slow your roll racist <laughs> sexist sure homophobic right you know you we can go down the whole list of damage caused by your hero right you know it's, it's true yeah it's yeah, like, yeah it's like wait don't paint this guy as some savior of punk rock when it when in reality right the guy was a spoiled rich kid, bitch, or a fucking homophobic, racist fucker. Sure. And I'm talking black or white. We're not talking just white. We're talking the black kid. Whatever Absolutely. the fuck it is. Totally. Whoever it is, without naming names. Yep. You know.
2: And yeah, no, it's a, and, a, and a lot people, of people, right? A lot of people can't. A lot of people can't reckon with that information because it is, like you said, the reputation has preceded these people for years and years and years where it's just like, oh what do you like what do you mean that, that person like, you know, that person was racist? And yeah. it's like, well well yeah, because that's what they were back then. And yeah. you're just like, but yeah, you weren't there, but you're reading the stories that like you said held this person up. But. see
1: I'm glad because 'cause I've always had the reputation of being an out of control
3: asshole. Totally totally
1: It's like, yeah, you got that right. One hundred percent, bitch. <laughs> Never gonna put me on a pedestal. Totally. And I used to I told people I finally got I got to the point where I I got to the point where my my career Whatever the fuck it is, whatever my <laughs> reputation is uh-huh. to the point where it's so perfect. Where if I was dressed in women's clothes, mm-hmm. seen downtown blowing 15 sailors at the park, and somebody drives by and sees me, they go, fuck, Grisham's Look out at of his you. mind. with the dress and the sailors. It's fucking so cool. crazy. Right. So they go, he's out of his I knew he was always crazy. And then if I'm down at the local food bank... Handing out food, they go, fucking man, of the people's always been solid. So no matter what I do, whether I'm being of service, loving and kind, or completely out of my fucking mind, right? it works both ways. Totally, and yeah. Nobody, and they expect it. Right. You you, know? can, you Yeah, you feel,
2: you feel the quota on both sides, and it works perfectly. Right, and they expect it. Like, right. I
1: was at a restaurant one night, and these two guys are eating. They're looking at me. Mm. Yeah. You know, I was fucking sitting in there, and they keep fucking mad-dogging me, mad-dogging me. They're looking at me, whatever. You know, And finally I just say, yeah, fuck this, you know. I got my kid with me right. Know, whatever right Yeah, we're having a nice meal what up, do you got yeah, yeah i walk up their table i go you got a fucking problem man i go you want to keep fucking staring at me sure and the dude goes hey he goes hey i'm a fan he goes we were stoked to see you here right like, so i feel like a total asshole right <laughs> so i end up buying them some drinks and everything's nice you know and i split and and then it was funny because somebody i knew ran into the guy and the guy told him, he goes, fucking Jack. He goes, that's the real thing, man. <laughs> God damn it. He goes, he threatened
2: us. Totally. Fucking- You're like, I went through the whole gamut of emotions where it's like, I thought I was going to have to fight Jack Grisham. <laughs> then he bought me a drink and I don't know how to feel about right. you
1: know, it. It's like going to the zoo and seeing the monkeys, man. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're throwing shit around and that's what you want to see. You want to see them slapping their ass, throwing shit. Absolutely. Fucking getting crazy. Totally. And that's what you want to see. Yeah, that's all you and, need. And, I, you know, I tell people that all the time when they, they want to see the monkey. But they don't necessarily want the monkey to loosen their house. Sometimes, of course, they, they, they realize, yeah, right, keep it in a Situation,
4: <laughs> right? Yeah. Totally. Lucky Land Casino asking people, "What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?"
0: Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Ah ha! In my dentist's office. Time is a luxury for us, especially if you're a mom. That's why we need a skincare routine that's easy, fast, and gives us results. From serum sets to the always sold out retinol alternative TBT cream, you'll find your perfect skincare match. Dime has over 2 million happy customers and their product reviews are literally five stars. Love your skin again. Go to DimeBeautyCO.com for 20% off with code GET DIME. That's DimeBeautyCO.com, code GETDIME for 20% off.
2: Um, you know, kind of fast forwarding a little bit to the, uh, you know, the Joy Killer when you were doing that, that was... Obviously, at a very, very fertile time for uh, you know independent music, just absolutely breaking through into the mainstream. And you, you obviously put out records on Epitaph. Um, was it interesting for you to uh, you know watch the evolution to where it ultimately ended up? Where it's like, oh, hey, we're on Epitaph Records, and we're getting put in front of the same people who are buying Rancid records that might have no knowledge of T.S.O.L., but are listening to the Joy Killer because we're on this record label. Like, you right. know, was that was that an interesting yeah, experience? Yeah,
1: there, there's still people when I go on tour now, they say, when's Joy Killer going on tour? Right. Like, they don't want to see T.S.O.L. They want to know when the Joy Killer's going to play. Yeah. Which is bitching. to me. That's amazing, know? yeah, yeah. And it, and it actually feels good. I mean, that band actually sold a lot of records, and um, and it feels good that that people, that you could do something different, uh-huh. and they dig that too. Right. You know, and uh, so I, I go to Europe, I go to South America, and people always say, oh, what's the joy killer? What's happening with the joy killer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, anyway, but it was interesting, like, where, where it went and what it did. And, you know, and I think not so much when everything was blowing up, but even later when, when everything is falling apart, no one can sell music and right. blah, 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 and all these guys are crying. And I'm, I'm, and I'm thinking, well, what are you talking about? This mm-hmm. has always been like this for me. You know, we've never been able to sell music. We've never been able to do this stuff. And you always got to hustle it yourself and find new ways to do it. So I I don't see the issue that you're all crying about. Right. You know, yeah, you guys are crying about it because you came out of nowhere and we're making millions of dollars thinking that's just the way it fucking goes. Right, right. But I've been spending the last 30, 40, almost 40 years doing this shit by hustling you know, constantly mm-hmm. hustling just to put together something, move something to keep going or whatever. Right, so right. So I'm not shocked.
2: Totally, yeah. You're like, you're like, this is this is my existence.
1: That's <laughs> reality. Right. Now you're facing the reality of what I've dealt with my whole life. Sure. You know, and then some of these guys wonder, you know, it's like they look, like, how could you have done this so long?
2: Yeah, you're like, well, that's that's my only choice.
1: Right. You love it. <clears throat> this is just the way it is. If I don't do this and make stuff or create stuff, I go fucking crazy.
2: Totally. Um, and speaking of making and creating stuff, the you know you ran for
1: office. You know what, what, what year did you run for? Office? I think it was two thousand four, and it was really to bitch about healthcare, which at right. the time, if you look back, that was not a major issue. No, you know, and really, I was talking about healthcare back in. 2004, yeah. which was basically, hey, look, this is a situation here. And that was basically my whole platform was to talk about healthcare.
2: Right, right. And did you, uh, I mean, obviously, since you only ran for one year, uh, it was something that you didn't wish to do again. But you, uh, do you look at ba- Do you look back at your campaign and that whole process of getting involved in the political system being like, was
1: embarrassing? it embarrassing? I don't know. Or was it, Well, it's a little embarrassing. Okay. Like the fact that, you know, what are you doing? man are you out of your mind it's like sure you do it and it really was like i said really it was just to talk about healthcare. yeah but i learned i learned about it i learned about the system i learned about what happens I right. learned about what it does i learned about what uh how you know you can get somebody let, let's say you get somebody and the guy's full of fire And he's got brilliant ideas and he's, I'm not saying I was, I'm saying a guy. We're talking. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Theoretically. Right. Right. You get some guy and he's got great ideas and he's full of fire and he's full of passion and he wants to get this thing done. So he rolls in getting this thing done and he comes up to his first obstacle and they say, Hey, we need you. Great. We know you want to get that done, but you're going to have to give a touch here. You're going to have to give a touch here to get this. So he gives a touch there. And then he goes down the line and he gives a touch there. Goes down the line, gives a touch there, touch there, touch there, touch there, touch there, touch there, and when he gets to the top, where he can actually do something, he's been polished smooth like a rock blanket. Right. You know what I'm saying? Sure. And all those sharp edges and all that fire and everything is gone. And he's he's used to he's used to giving in. Mm-hmm. He's used to compromising. You know, it's like you look at that. There's a quote about compromise. A compromise we both lose. That's a compromise. Sure. You know, and, and I understand that. Sure. You know? So so I was able to see that. I was able to see what you've got to give up, what you got to do, what, you know, and it's the littlest stuff. Right. Like you start looking at the littlest stuff you're giving up that you don't think the way you dress or the way you talk or the way you think, whatever the fuck it is. Right, right. You start giving it up. Right. And it starts winnowing you down.
2: It's, I mean, like de- death by a thousand paper cuts.
1: Right. And that's exactly what it is. And then when you get to a position, uh-huh. you're done.
2: Sure. There's yeah. No, when you've actually finished that quote unquote race. Right. Right. Like you said, whatever
1: like, it is and or to the next level, next level, next level, let's start to say local government working your way up to state government, whatever it is. You right. Know, and how much you've really given up. Sure. You know so it's i I think it's really interesting i I think we don't have a system that works at, you know, and it's just uh you know so it was it was interesting to see what happens and I was offered jobs afterwards, like I had people well, you know, uh, yeah, I can
2: imagine because i mean whether or not like you know most people that that you know come from you know either our train of thought our world, whatever they they do this not even so much as an experiment but like like you said you wanted to learn you wanted to see what the system was like up right. close and personal because a lot of people can judge it from afar and kind of have you know a basic understanding of it but it's not until you're in the trenches where you like you said you get to see all the uh, all the the mechanics that it takes to put all this together
1: yeah and i had an interesting day one time i, I was up at fox for an interview. Sure. And, uh, and it was it was interesting because I wasn't really paying attention, and we're just talking, and we're going through some of this stuff, and we're just talking, and uh, and at the the end, the newsroom applauded. Like I didn't see him get quiet, right. do you know what I mean? I didn't sure. see him listening, and at the end, the newsroom applauded, That's and it really was cool. almost embarrassing, sure. a little bit. And then you know, the head of the newsroom came over and he gave me his gave me his card, and he said, "Look, man," he goes, "If you ever want a job." Yeah, it, you know what do you want? You know what do you want? You know what do you want? And I don't know what he was thinking or what anyone else was thinking. Right. But I, I think you know I had rolled in there with whatever. I, I don't. And to tell you the truth, I can't even tell you what I was saying. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was just really off the you top. Do, of the yeah, you're doing the thing, right? Ripping it out, whatever the fuck. <laughs> right, it was. Right. 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 Know? Right. So it's just uh,
2: that's, that's awesome though. That you, yeah. yeah, you got you got to learn. And you have that experience, but I
1: couldn't cool. have repeated any of it. Right. So, right. Uh, you know, so yeah. it's uh. It
2: was yeah yeah that's amazing. Uh, a few last things before I let you go it was the uh, you know your your years of sobriety and you know it's been highly publicized what you you know the, the struggles you went through in regards to you know addiction drugs alcohol everything like that. Um, but now uh, reflecting on the fact that you know you're a father and you you know you have teenagers and you deal with the notions that they are probably drinking or experimenting or are involved in that. You know how does that how does your experience reflect your uh, what you do as a
1: parent? Yeah, it doesn't bother me at all. Okay. It doesn't, you know what I mean? Because it, it's not, they say that to have the personality of an alcoholic or an addict or whatever, there, there was a John Hopkins study and it was seven out of 1,000. So seven people out of 1,000 have that ism. Sure, that, that, that predisposition, the whatever right. Whatever is, yeah, seven yeah. out of 1,000. Okay. You know, and I'll get these these recovering alcoholics and they'll go, those beer commercials are a lie. You know what, I have to pull them up and say, no, they're not. For 993 people, those beer commercials are the truth. Sure. They, they have a cocktail on a Christmas Eve. They're hugging, they're singing a song, they're having a great time, blah, blah, blah. But for seven of us, we're having a couple of cocktails and we want to go out in the barn and fuck the Clydesdales. Right. So we're out <laughs> of fucking control. Totally. You know what I mean? But it doesn't mean my kids have that. Right. So it doesn't mean I got to get on them about whatever, and they've experimented, and they've done stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And I got to just sit back and see what happens. Sure. And I got to treat them basically where it's the point where if you need help or your friends need help, you know who to come to. Right. And they come to me. That's you know, amazing. Like they'll go. My older daughter will say, "Hey, you should really talk to my dad if if she's got a if somebody's got a problem, or whatever." And they just send it to me. And a lot of people don't really understand that that it you know one of these treatments for addiction once you get the substance taken away what why did they turn to it in the first place it's true is what you really got to look at yeah. it's like it's like hey great the, this is just a symptom this is the final thing the final thing is they get loaded the final thing is they drink they find so so what got them to that part what made them so uncomfortable where they couldn't live life without doing this even though it was something that was going to harm them right you know so so it's it's uh and that's what I deal with. Sure, I deal with that. Right, and and you know how do I how do I go through life? Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. <clears throat> how do I you know? So it's 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 real. It, it, it's real interesting, and and I'm not. Uh, I'm very open about being sober. Sure, because it's a good thing to be open. So people can come to me and they can ask me questions, say, hey, what'd you do? How'd you do this? Whatever. You know, it's like, uh, yeah, I don't claim membership in any organization. Not nothing. It's just uh, this is what I do. Right. And I've learned to live and to be a citizen. Right. And to be free. Right. Without this. Right. Devoid of this. However. I'll gladly buy you a cocktail and sit and chat with you. Totally. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you're like, it I'm. Right. It's your life. It sure. doesn't have anything to do with me.
2: Right. You I'm know? not going to impose, like, yeah, I'm not, I, I can control myself around this. You do
1: you. <laughs> right. And that was the difference in why a lot of people had trouble with a straight edge movement. Sure. Is because they wanted to be straight and they wanted everyone else to be straight. Sure. I don't want you to be straight. Yeah. I yeah. don't give a fuck what you do. <laughs> You know what I mean? Totally. This, we're talking freedom. We're talking your right as an individual to live as you will. Absolutely. You know, that's your life. Mm-hmm. Even if you want to take it, that's okay with me.
2: Right. That because is your that's, decision.
1: That's your decision, and totally. that's your life. And I believe that you have the ownership of your life. So, so that's that's.
2: Yeah, that's that's the, the main car- that's the cardinal difference. rule.
1: And I wouldn't have been so bummed out with the straight edge guys if they would have lived like that.
2: Of course, yeah, yeah. They're, hey, yeah. man, very, very, don't,
1: very, don't put your fucking no-blow-job rules on me, bud. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. I don't give a fuck if you're saying we all need to breathe. Right. Because I'm not going to breathe. I'm not. You tell me I got to do it. I'm not interested, in though. Yeah, I'm not interested, yes.
2: The uh, last two things were, you know, pe- people view, like we were talking about earlier in regards to, uh, you know, nostalgia. And looking back at, you know, their their younger years and being like, oh, like those are the days, you know, the old adage of a high school football football guy talking about his fourth quarter senior year all that sort of stuff um you know clearly there are many of your you know peers that have existed uh you know well past their expiration date you know where it's just like oh like you guys are still like quote unquote trying to do that you know right whereas i don't uh, you know maybe this is just whatever my perception of you i don't like i don't look at your body of work and feel like you're you're clinging on to nostalgia you know that it's just like you're you know you're like well like looks like i'm gonna play code blue like 17 times a night because like that's what that's what the crowd wants or whatever you know like there's there's that like you said the sort of reinvention of yourself whether that's expressing yourself in books or art or whatever um how does it like you know how does nostalgia kind of sit in your head like is it something you just like You kind of, you know, look at from a distance and be like, that's fine that people like to like, maybe like my older stuff and don't like my newer stuff or whatever. Um, You know, how does that all kind of sit in your head?
1: Some of it's fear. Uh Some of it's got to do with fear. Sure. Because, hey, I, you know, I know this is accepted and I know this is liked and I know this will make me some money. Right. So I'm going to just reel it back in and I'm going to sit right here and I'm going to do this. Sure. Which is great. Right. But living a life based on fear you know, it's, it's not a life. Right. You know, I don't want to be at the end and go, oh, bitch. <laughs> Fucking pussy. I've been scared the whole damn time. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. you want to stand up and go, I went out swinging, fucker. You know, it's like yeah. that, that kind of thing. So, you know, and and for me, the, the need to create and to do and what, you know, whatever. It's like, hey, let's try this. Let's just try it. Fuck it. We got the platform to try it. Somebody else is paying for it, man. Sure. It's like. How bitching is this? You know, let let's try this. Let's see what we can do. Let's hey, we know we can do this. Can we take a piece of that and mix it with this? Can we try this? Can we bring this out? You know,
3: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and to just experiment and live and do these things. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's it's like hey, what's around the corner? Don't you want to know? Right. Don't you want to know what's around this bend? Sure. Don't you want to see what's there? It's like yeah, we know this beach is cool, but what if we go around the headlands? What's there? Let's sure. go find out. Yeah, you know, so so it's the same thing with music or with art or whatever. But but and it's risk, and especially it's risk with livelihood too. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like, hey, if this tanks, what are you gonna do, man? Go sure, go work at Starbucks. It's like, yeah, I'll go work at Starbucks. I'll, I'll go do. I'm willing to pay a price for whatever I do. It's like, you know, you got to pay a price. Sure. And and I'll tell you, you know, if you do something you don't want to do. And you get ripped apart for it; it stings worse. If you do something you did want to do, and you get ripped apart for it, you can say, "But fuck you, I did what I wanted to do." Right? I got it out there. Yeah, I ate hey, but I took a swing, man. Right? <laughs> I was like I had a kid say that one time. This guy tried to fight me, and it didn't work out well for him. And uh, but then afterwards, I, I thought, "Little prick, man," because he was bragging to people. He goes and he said, "He goes, well, fuck you. At least I took a swing at him." You know? <laughs> like, yeah, at least at least I tried. Yeah, that's pretty sad. At least I tried. You know, I got my ass kicked. But at least I tried. Right. You know, and, and it's the same thing like like to just experiment and do and do not and, and believe me, with a ton of kids and bills, I get the fear, man. Sometimes I think God, let me just let me just copy code blue and do this and sell a few hundred thousand records and do this. Right. So I can all pay these bills. But then you think but yeah you're going to pay the bills but at what price? Yeah, sure. At what price are you doing that?
2: Totally. Yeah. And then pl- and plus like the pe- you know the, the people that end up doing that the legacy continues to you know not like anybody cares about legacy because you know that's just the, a fleeting thing anyways but then the your previous work really becomes even more tarnished because the people are just like, Oh yeah. Do you remember what they were doing the past, like, you know, 10 years or so, like trotting this thing out and like no one cared. And like, then it it, honestly, it alters the perspective Mm -hmm. of prior art because of what people do with it.
1: Yeah. It's, it's a, you know, it's a strange thing. And then mixing, you know, and I know what people want to hear too. It's like, I just went and saw the Rolling Stones. Yeah. A friend of mine invited me to go and I went, you know, and, and you know What do I want to hear man? I want to hear Memory Motel I want to hear some song You know Of course And when they play something new You don't want to hear it You right. know what I mean Yeah you're
2: like That's cool Like but, that's not bad But yeah. yeah
1: Yeah so that's That's kind of trippy too Like working Playing stuff that people like And then working new stuff Into it too at the same thing and Sure just, uh,
2: Yeah. Keeping everybody balanced there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, before I let you go, I had to, uh, you know, you, the, the, the fact that you have been, uh, you know, vocal in regards to like, you know, hypnotherapy and like your practices within that, uh, you know, that's not common for most people that, uh, you know, are affiliated with the, you know, punk rock or independent, uh, music scene, um, you know, how, how did that kind of enter your life? And I mean, is that still well, something that's meaningful yeah. to
1: you? Well, I'm also, uh, NLP, neuro-linguistic programming, that kind of shit. You know, it's, sure. it's words, it's words and it's people. I'm interested in people. Okay. Like what makes a move? What do they do? What do they think? How's the mind work? It's, it's, uh, When I first got sober, uh, I used to you know have some cocktails when I'd go out and play. You know when I put a couple of drinks in me, I loosen up. I get on stage, hey, Hey, hey you You know what's up, baby? You know, just like whoa, sure, we're rolling, right? So then when I got sober all of a sudden, I'm going on stage, nothing, right? And it wasn't comfortable. It was like it was like if you're a shoplifter and you're walking out of a store. without buying something. Your ass gets real tight. You think everyone's looking at you, like, why are you walking out of the store without purchasing something? You didn't purchase anything, right? <laughs> right, so, right, right, So, what are you stealing, bud? So, that's how I felt. So, I went to this hypnotist... I went to a hypnotist uh-huh. to try to get whatever... Just out of the blue, I went to a hypnotist to get my mind free or whatever. And it was real interesting. He took me back to a... He said, what's the best show you ever played? And he let me go through that show and remember it. And he did... He did... it. I. I know now, but at the time I didn't know then, he basically put an anchor on me so that whenever I walked on stage, the memory that was flowing through my subconscious was of this great show, was people cheering, going, whatever. And, and I've had people later on come up to me and say, God, man, you give as much to 10 people on a rainy Tuesday night as you give to 10,000 people on a Saturday at a festival. Right. How? Well, because the same show's running through my (laughs) head. I'm
2: playing that nineteen eighty two, right. Yeah, Yeah. it's like
1: the show when people are going crazy and everyone's doing this and and so I go back to that show. So then later on, um, a friend of mine sent me to a school Mm-hmm. uh you know it was uh, my business manager a, a woman great woman i it was funny i all i worked with was women my manager was a woman the booking agent was a woman business all hard all women. women that's amazing so it's funny because i'm like no like it's times people call me a misogynist asshole or whatever but but i'm surrounded by hard-hitting powerful totally women. that like you I, trust with, i walk yeah. in with all chicks you know it's saying? amazing it's like you know and uh anyway so uh uh she sent me to the school and I learned hypnotherapy and uh, neuro-linguistic programming and, and, and just learned about the mind, learned about, you know, and it's interesting. You use it in talking, you use it in speech, you use it in lyrics, you use it in whatever. It's so, uh, so I apply it to uh-huh. everything I do.
2: That's amazing. And,
1: and it, was, it, was, it was interesting because I was given these talks, I was given these lectures and somebody would say, you know, you know, you're a great lecturer whatever, you know, and, and it's funny because you drift off topic. And then you come back and finish the topic, right? Sure. And it's like, so we think you're not there, and then all of a sudden you button all this stuff up, right? So, so come on in. So, uh, so hey, Steve. So, uh, so they didn't. Um, uh, there's coffee if you want a cup of coffee, Steve. We're almost done. Um, so, um, okay. So, um, so I later found out that this was a hypnosis tool. Okay. Now, the, the human. supposedly we only have a 20-minute, without, without any visual aids, we only have a 20-minute attention span. Okay. Anybody, if you're giving a talk or whatever lecture, without visual aids, 20 minutes. That's what you got. Now, in hypnosis, it's real interesting. You'll start a story, and you're telling a story, and in the middle of that story, you take it to another story, and then you take it to another story. So if I was talking about, you know, when the dog was walking down the street and he stopped at the fence, and the fence was built in nineteen ten by a man named So you switch, you know, you're moving around. It's real A D D kind of right. So what happens is in this in this method of hypnosis, you you start a story, you start a metaphor, and then you hang it, you move to another, hang it, move to another. And by three of these, the human mind is wide open and relaxed. Okay. And it's almost confused and lost. So after the third one, you implant suggestion and it's suggestion that they'll take, you know, it's something you can't make somebody do something that they don't want to do. I couldn't right. make you rob a bank, but if you wanted to rob a bank, I could bring it out of you. Sure. So, so, so it's story, 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 implant suggestion, and then button up the stories backwards. And it's almost like a surgical into the mind. Yeah. Where you get inside, plant the thing, and then sew it back then up back on it the up. Way out. And, um... And so I was doing that without knowing it,
2: right? And yeah, you were. Then later yeah,
1: found out that it was. You are like an it's natural. An actual technique. Yeah, it's a technique. Yeah.
2: <laughs> That's absolutely incredible. I'll
1: do it, man. I'll do. I'll do it. I'll. I, okay.
2: <laughs> well, Jack, I honestly really, really appreciate you hanging oh, out. Thank these. Thank you
1: so much, man. It's, it's, I enjoyed it. It's
2: my absolute you. pleasure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there was Mr. Jack Grisham, and um, it was it was just weird because there are certain people where you just you don't ever expect to meet and then you get an opportunity like this which I jumped on immediately. Uh shout out to my uh my main man Biggie over at Good Fight Management who uh manages him and thought he would be a great guest for the show, so he reached out. Um it, it was just it was just bizarre because like here I am sitting in this living room with this person who uh you know, frankly I've admired for many many years and it was just it's just a bizarre thing like anytime you do full circle stuff i'm like hey i remember listening to you when i was you know 14 15 years old and tsol was a huge thing to me like would i ever imagine running into you let alone being able to speak to you let alone being able to take a goofy picture with you but um yeah it was just a uh, it was a very reflective moment as i drove away from his house being like man this is rad <laughs> So thanks. Thanks to you, for those of you that listen to the show because uh, I get to live out some, some pretty fun opportunities and have some really insightful discussions with people who I admire. So yeah, and uh, that's, uh, that's me off my little soapbox. But um, the guest next week, frankly, I forgot. <laughs> Normally, I have my computer in front of me and I'm able to, uh, to uh, dive in on uh, who the next week's guest is. But um, I've got some amazing conversations coming up recently had one with uh, Tom May from the uh, Menzingers. I don't know why I had a problem pronouncing his band's name. Um, And then also had a a great discussion with uh, Sarah Taylor from Youth Code. Um, Those are some future episodes. So uh, yeah, sorry. I'm forgetting who is on the show next week. That's how addled my brain is with uh, being in 7 million places at once. But anyways, you please have a good rest of the week and be safe, everybody.
3: You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all of the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust